Uppercut Podcast, we're back. We're one host short, our normal host, Max. He's got a couple things going on tonight, but you know, life happens. Kind of stuff comes up. So I'll be taking over the reins of hosting for the night. Though in Max's absence, we do have a special guest out of Tampa, Florida. This guy has been beating the brakes out of grown men in the octagon since the age of 16. He's a crypto enthusiast and a fighter who's looking to earn a UFC contract on the Contender Series Tuesday, September 13th. Tonight, we're hosting Brandon Lewis. Brandon, thanks for coming on. How are you feeling headed into it? Hey, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm about five days out right now. Uh, you know, dropping the weight down, getting all the bumps and bruises out, things like that. So, But otherwise, I'm feeling pretty good, ready for this fight and uh, ready to earn my contract. Nice. Good. Can't beat that. So have you made your way to Vegas yet, or how does that usually go down? No, I fly out on Saturday. Um, so the, the fight's on a Tuesday, Dana White's mm-hmm. Tuesday Night Contender Series. Um, so I fly out Saturday, I'm going to do most of my weight cut on Sunday, weigh-ins are Monday, and then I fight, I think, 8 p.m. Eastern on uh, Tuesday. Do you get to uh, enjoy the city at all while you're there, or is it kind of just business, like you get in, get out? So normally it's just business. Uh, whenever I fight, uh, they send me back on the earliest available flight the next morning. Like I've had fights where I fought at like midnight, and then I'm, you know, I don't even get a chance to sleep. I, I'm just packing up and leaving for the airport in like four hours after I fight. So um, this time is different. So this time I asked them specifically, hey, do you mind booking me a red-eye flight? So that way I have all day the next day to enjoy Vegas a little bit. Uh, I, I've been there before uh, for Dana White's Contender Series last year. Kind of was in and out. And this time I was like, you know what? Let me, after I earn my contract, let me go walk down the strip and celebrate a little bit. So yeah. For sure, it's a good place to do it. What's the, the red eyes overnight, right? Where you go in at night, yeah. you lay in the morning? Yeah, I think uh, my flight on Wednesday is like 10 p.m. I get back to Tampa like next morning, 8 a.m., something like that. Yeah, you can't beat that. Speaking of your early start, it's was your first fight at 15 or 16? I couldn't get the exact age, I'm sure, dog. It was, it was 15. Yeah, I was 15 years old. I believe I fought a 17-year-old, but then when I was 16, that's when I started fighting adults. Nice. So did you get any pushback from your parents or family? Like, was anyone kind of hesitant? Like, ah, maybe look for a different path, or were they all in for it? No, this is something that I've wanted ever since I was, like, six years old. I was begging my parents to, you know, take me to martial arts and join classes when I was, like, very little. Um, And I finally got that opportunity when I was 10 years old. I joined uh, karate, and then my passion for martial arts just grew and grew, and I eventually moved on to different styles of martial arts. And I was always competitive. Uh, I started competing right away when I was 10. And the level of competition, the things that I was doing was just kind of progressively getting more and more realistic. Um, I was even doing like smokers, <laughs> which I'm not sure if you're familiar with what those are. Nah. But uh, basically like underground MMA fights when I was like 14 years old. So I kind of got a, <laughs> yeah, I got a really early start. Um, I don't recommend starting that young, especially doing unsanctioned fights and things like that. I don't recommend any, any child, uh, start off in that route, but yeah, I mean, if I were to do it again, I'd probably focus a little bit more on, on training and develop the actual competition side of things a little bit more in a safer manner and probably start at like 16, something like that. Right. Jeff, you got a question? Yeah. What? Have you had any like crazy experiences in those type of amateur fights? Because I've seen that your amateur career is actually very long. Yeah, I mean the I think the crazier experiences came from like the smokers, the unsanctioned fights, so the ones that don't show up on my record. Um, 
like when I was 14, I fought in like a nightclub in Connecticut. <laughs> and it was just like nine puzzle mats out in the middle of like a club floor with like a makeshift boxing ring. And I think I fought some 17-year-old kid that outweighed me by like 20 pounds. Holy the announcer, shit. the announcer was just some like you know nightclub hype man. He was just saying some crazy shit. I was just you know, yeah, it was a weird experience being 14 <laughs> and all these like club goers are just what the hell are we watching these teenagers you know fighting? Oh, so there's people nation. in the club as you're fighting. Yeah, there was people in the club. Um, yeah, people were <laughs> drinking, doing their normal thing, you know, and it was just some unsanctioned i don't know how it was allowed or how it got through but it happened and uh i actually got the video if you guys if you guys want to see it but it was a weird setup that was that was one of the weirder ones that i that i encountered dude i've been doing this for i've been doing martial arts for 15 years and yeah i I got some stories to tell for sure (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) so um obviously you're still in your martial arts journey you know you're still working up but was there a moment so far at least in your career when you knew you could make this a career like did a coach tell you something that moved you or maybe you beat a certain opponent you were out to beat? Like, when did you know this was it? I mean, so I, I got inspired by like martial artists and, and, and like films and stuff when I was really young and I watched, you know, I was watching the UFC when I was really younger and I saw like George St. Pierre do mm-hmm. it and, and things like that. And I think I had that belief in myself it, it, right off the bat saying, Hey, if these guys could do it, why can't I? And I think I just started off my journey with that mindset and it's followed me ever since. That's awesome. You're fighting at Bantamweight, right? Is that is that your yeah. official weight? Yes. Yeah. So is there any guy like out like we'll say outside of Aljamain Sterling just because he's the champ Bantamweight right now? But is there a guy who you watch and you really think like I would like to fight like him? He's the guy I could model like see myself working up to him. Uh, in Bantamweight currently, no. Uh, a fighter that I idolized a lot at the time coming up. I still idolize even to this day. He's at flyweight. It's Demetrius Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, te- technically, he's still, he fights at 135 now that he's over uh, 1FC. Yeah. So. so, yeah, I guess you could say he's, he's technically a bantamweight. He's fought a bantamweight before, but that's a fighter that I've idolized and I've tried to model quite a bit because he's a complete martial artist. And he's mixed it up better than almost anyone that I've ever seen before. Um, same thing, my early inspirations were George St. Pierre. I feel like Demetrius Johnson is just kind of like the – new evolved version of that if that makes sense so yeah do you think he's the goat did you see joe rogan bring that up he was saying he thought demetrius johnson was he doesn't get brought up enough in that conversation i don't think i think i think he's one of of the goats um Mm -hmm. when you talk about like goat status and greatest of all time you have to really find out what you're really measuring it by you know demetrius johnson hands down i think he's one of the best ones to mix it up be a complete martial artist and intertwine changing uh, from striking to grappling to clinch to wrestling. Like, I think he's been the best at actually mixing it up. So as far as a mixed martial artist goes, I think he's one of the goats, hands down. To it, like, you know, people like John Jones. I don't think there's anyone on this planet that could just beat John Jones in a fist fight. You know, so there's different levels to being, being a goat by other people's perspectives. But yeah, yeah. Demetrius is one of my all-time favorites. So this is your second time in the Contender Series. What did you plan on doing differently? I kind of watched your fight somewhat and saw it was a little, like you, you've said it in other interviews, kind of a boring wrestling match. How do you plan to differ that from last year to this year? 
So ever since I lost that fight uh, due to kind of like being controlled on the, on the grappling end of things, um, going into that fight, I was really confident in my jiu-jitsu. And that's what you see in that fight. I think I tried too many submission attempts um, and they just weren't working. And, and I just wasn't seeing that. Um, that was more of a decision-making error on my end. After the couple's first submission attempts, I should have just worked back up to my feet and then just try to continue the fight from there. Um, as well, I mean, in the second round, I did fractual my, fracture my orbital floor. I got caught with a jab. The knuckle landed right in my eyeball, mm -hmm. and I was seeing double. So I was a little hesitant about standing back up because I couldn't even see. Um, but then by the time the third round came, I was like, screw it. I could close one eye. I could kind of see what's going on and fight from there. But as far as what I could actually handle and what's in my control, what I could do from there, um, I think better decision-making, which is – really just experience in that fight. I mean, I was in the cage for 15 minutes when you're in the cage for that long and you come out with minimal injury. Um, that's what you could really ask for is just, you got that full experience. And my fight after that, I felt the most calm I've ever been in going into a fight. Um, normally if you would ask me, Hey, Brandon, how'd you feel like that fight went? I couldn't tell you. I'm like, Oh, what happened to that fight? I don't, I don't even know. You know, the adrenaline just kind of overflows a little bit. And, and you kind of don't have as much control. I, lately, I've been getting more and more control, more composed. I kind of see what's going on in that cage a little bit more. And uh, I'm really finding my rhythm in that cage. So better decision making and then just better uh, composure while I'm in that cage. Right. Yep. Can't be those two things either. Uh, Jeff, you got a question? Yeah. What's your favorite strike to throw? Because I see you love throwing like – unorthodox heavy strikes usually coming from your big ass legs right <laughs> after a clean one too. Yeah. I mean, I sure. I like to, to sometimes end a combination with a kick at the end. I have like a bucket list of, of like moves that I want to land or like finish a fight in. I think my first pro fight, I think I threw like six spinning hook kicks. Cause that's just something I've always <laughs> wanted to land in a fight before. So yeah, like like spinning a uh, spinning hook kick is something that I've always won, like a highlight reel spinning hook kick flash knockout kind of thing going on. We'll see if I get it. You know, it's something that I'm working on. Uh, it's something that I land in training and all that. But when you're in a real in a real fight, you know things are a lot different in there. So and I think with the composure that that's going to help, and and the things that I'm able to pull off in training are going to be able to come to fruition a little bit more uh, when I'm when I'm fighting as well. I'll right. tell you what, guys, like, you know, when I'm, when, I, when I'm training and I'm doing a lot of things, I mean, some people are different. Some people, they're terrible at training and they go in the cage and they fight their asses off and they're, they're amazing. And other people, and so much like me, I'll be able to do certain things in training. And then when I get in the fight, I'm like, oh, oh you know, I, I tend to freeze up a little bit or there's certain things in the cage that I don't execute as well. And that's something that I, I'm going to grow and, and work on and, you know, I've continued to improve on, but. Um, yeah, I think a spinning hook kick knockout is one of my favorite things that I, I want to land one day, land clean and knock somebody out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I and, uh, can't wait to see that one. <laughs> oh yeah. So going into contender series, how do you balance that? Because, you know, I feel like some guys go in there when you watch it and they're a little too worried about the flashy strikes to earn a contract. How do you balance that between just trying to get a finish and then earning some kind of flashy finish? Like what's your mindset headed into it? I guess more or less. I'm not look. I'm looking to basically brutalize this guy. Um, that's that's the end goal. So however that comes, if he runs into something, and I, like I said, I have all these tools that I use at training. So they're in my arsenal, and I see and I see them now. And, and that's what I'm saying. Every time I step in that cage, I'm seeing these opportunities 
flashy or not, we're not specifically going only for like tech and moves and just going for crazy mm-hmm. shit. You know, I'm I'm in there to to hurt you, and some of the flashy stuff is just actually just turns out to be very effective. So, you know, I'm looking to finish this guy in any way I can in the most brutal way possible. So if it happens to be, you know, he circles a certain way and I throw something like a spinning hook kick, whatever, knock him out. Hey, great. Amazing. It'll show up on sports center, you know, the next morning, all that kind of stuff. Great. But if he keeps himself open down the middle and I just land a good one too, I'm happy with that as well. You know, so it's really about finding that finish and I'm going to do it in whichever way I can. Hopefully it's, you know, in a nice flashy way. If not, no big deal. I'm going to get it either way. So does it make you any more nervous or probably more excited, I would think, than anything that this guy's a brawler too? It's going to be a lot different than going into your last contender series fight. Does it make you a little more excited? Yeah, no, 100%. I'm a lot more excited for this one. Um, it gives me more opportunity to to get a nice, you know, knockout, things like that, um, which is what the fans want to – want to see that's what Dana White I'm sure it's what he wants to see um good exciting fights and someone you know I I could go and talk about how hard I work and how hard I train and how good I am and this and that but it honestly takes two to tango you know it takes a good opponent and it you know it takes two good people to put on a good fight you know if one guy was just kind of if it's just one-sided it's not really too fun to watch so I'm glad this guy's good I'm glad this guy has a lot of knockouts on his record I'm glad this guy's also going to be looking for the finish because that's what's going to make an exciting fight. And that's going to add to my resume. When I go in there, I get, you know, a war, you know, some good exchanges are going on. That's going to improve my skill set way more. Like I said earlier in this interview, um, the best experience that you could get is being in that cage. So if he could give me a good look and a good test inside of that cage, I could grow while I'm in there. And I could get a nice, good finish and give me a good opportunity to showcase my skills. What else can I ask for? Yeah, sure, it's the more dangerous road, but that's not something I, I shy away from. Right. I mean, you'd be finishing by far one of the probably top three most experienced fighters that's been on Contender Series, too. This guy has an obscene amount of fights. So that's, I mean, you get a finish. I can't imagine I'm not giving a contract. Absolutely. So when you do, we like to say on this podcast, when you do get the contract, not if, uh, do you have a dream fight in mind? Is there someone maybe down the road you want to fight in the UFC or someone right off the jump you want to fight? Uh, later on down the road, I don't know. I've had this grudge for some reason. I, I don't even know why I have this grudge anymore. But I've, I think for the past couple of years, I kept on I keep on talking shit about Sean O'Malley. And that's just <laughs> some guy that I want to fight one day. I just want to fight Sean O'Malley. I honestly think he's, he's a little too – uh, like scrawny for the division like he he hurts himself in a lot of fights like he gets injured he breaks his own hands or his own bones or something like that uh, I just say he needs to he needs to bulk up a little bit he's a little too skinny and I got a hard head I've had one of my opponents break you know break his hand on my head before I'm a little too sturdy for him so I think that's a that's a matchup that one day obviously he's way outranked me and that's going to be something way 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 down the line if it ever happens but yeah that's one guy that i, I want to fight one day yeah that's a good one to shoot for i like it that'll be an absolute brawl too yeah <laughs> oh yeah i saw in another interview you were saying that roxanne Mataferi is the one who kind of got you back in the crypto well seeing her shouted out after a fight yeah so i i, I currently I'm, I'm with uh the marshall inu team basically their crypto project that 
uh, a part of their tax goes, helps and funds fighters. So basically they helped her out and she's part of the same uh, management team as I am Ruby. Um, and so I, I was watching her, one of her post fight interviews and she was like, Hey, you know, big shout out to, to these, you know, Marshall Inu. they've helped me out. They paid for expenses, this and that. I'm like, you know, obviously as a fighter that catches my interest. And then two, she was talking about crypto and that's something that I dived into a little bit, um, a couple of years back and I, I didn't really look into, but, um, yeah, they kind of reignited my interest back into crypto. Um, I, I kind of went through like a weird journey early on, you know, when everyone was talking about Bitcoin, when it hit 10 K, mm-hmm. I was like, Oh yeah, I'll, you know, I'll hop in, I'll mess around. And then my rent was due the, the <laughs> next month. So I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta pull everything out. But no, I mean, the Marshall Inu team, they've, they've done amazing things. Um, they've helped out so many fighters. I think it's over 500 at this point, over $5 million given out. And I'm really passionate. I, I work with their team now, and I help on building some of the connections with some of the smaller groups. Um, so obviously, you've seen some of the guys in the UFC, like, shout them out in the cage. Yeah. I think, that, you know, they've had, like, Colby Covington on, on board, Paulo Costa. We just did, like, a meme contest with him. Um, you know, Rose Namunez, I've interviewed Aljamain Sterling because of it. A lot of big names have been associated with this. But one thing that I'm really passionate is, uh, passionate about is about helping out some of the names that you don't know uh, coming up in the sport. Because, you know, I'm sure Aljamain Sterling and Alexander Volkanovsky and Paula Costa, I'm sure their bank account's fine. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they don't deserve some extra support, uh, especially in the sport of MMA where they've reach such an elite level, they deserve to get paid uh, appropriately. But I believe some of the guys that are coming up that nobody knows about, they don't really get the support that they need. I think that's really important too. So that's one of the things, that's one of the departments that I handle as well as making those connections. I was able to sponsor a lot of guys on my team uh, coming up through the early pros, things like that. And uh, it's something that I'm passionate about as well. I, I think everyone should should give back at some point. And right now I'm kind of focused on myself and my fighting career and stuff like that. But if on my downtime, I can help others kind of move forward in their careers as well. I'm, I'm all for it. So, yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, you referenced awesome. it too, because she, she grew up within like 10 minutes of where me and him live. Oh really? Yeah. No, she's yeah. awesome. And she does it. I forgot how many fights she has, but she's a legend in the sport, man. Like not yeah. even for yeah. women's MMA. She's been, she's had a lot of fights. Like, yeah, she, she's, she's a, she's a rock star. Yeah, it was sad to see her go just recently. So um, so I've seen guys shout it out. So how exactly does it work? Are you guys like part owners? Are you partners with the company? Or how does that? No, uh, so I mean, I started off just as a regular sponsored athlete. Now mm-hmm. I work on, on within the internal team. Like I, I handle some of the social media stuff. I handle on some of the content that we produce. Uh, and that's just my background. You can see it, you know. I got some lights set up. I yeah. got like a camera and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But I've worked, I've worked and I've done podcasts and I've done some media stuff before. That's just my experience. And, you know, they were doing some great things. So I was like, I reached out and I was like, Hey, I, you know, if you guys need any help, you know, use me as a resource. I'm all for it. So I started off as a sponsored athlete. They just, they just sent me some, some Ethereum just to, you know, just cause, you know, that was it. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let me, I want to stay connected with these guys. They seem like good people. And yeah, so far working with the team. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're amazing. As far as the fighters that you see associated with them, they're, they're just a sponsor. They literally just sponsor fighters just because that's their mission. They want to give more money to fighters. There's no, okay, gotcha. 
yeah, I mean, rarely, sometimes we'll work out certain deals like, um, you know, we'll, like Paulo Costa, we did a meme contest. Yeah, of course, we'll pay him for his time and things like that. But most of the time, a lot of the deals that are made between fighters is just because, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Here's some Ethereum. If you want, if you don't mind, hey, give us a shout out when you can. You know, it, it gotcha. was, it's a very one-sided thing because that, that's that's what their whole project is about. And now we're starting to include a little bit more um, utility for fans to engage with the fighters. Like I said, we did the meme contest with Paulo Costa. We're trying to gain a little bit more traction as far as having more involvement with the MMA community with the fighters. So now that's why you see us, we're kind of paying some fighters for their time to do certain events, to interact with their fans and things like that. So yeah, um, as far as how the actual like pay works and initially there was a tax. So when you bought um, there was like a, I forgot the percentage. You could go on their website. They have the mm-hmm. full to- tokenomics like broken down, but there was like a percentage tax when you buy it, that goes to a fighter fund. And that fund is specifically just for paying out fighters. And the same mm. thing when you sell, there's a percentage of that that just goes to a, a wallet address that's specifically for a fighter fund. They've restructured their systems since they started. So I can't accurately give you the numbers on if it's in the tax system, I also know they, they do other things to, for uh, income flow to, to mm-hmm. help maintain that, that fighter fund. Um, so you could go on their website and, and learn a little bit more about it. I handle more of the media side of things right. as far as like the actual development side of things. I'm, I'm not your guy for that one. But yeah, no, they, they, they make sure they have enough funds in their fighter wallet to, to make sure they keep paying out fighters. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, with this being a big topic swirling around professional sports, what are your thoughts on guys getting paid in crypto right now? Would you ever do it if it was something in the future? And what would you pick? Would you be more like a stablecoin guy or would you take some Bitcoin to fight? Like what would your route be with that? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, speaking of getting paid in crypto, uh, Marshall, I don't know if you're familiar with Lithway or Dave LaDuke, but he's actually starting his own uh, fight promotion Mm. Uh, with Marsh with Marshall Anu, and they're going to be the first promotion to pay fighters completely in crypto. A hundred percent crypto. A hundred percent crypto. Yeah. So it's going to be. Yeah, that's something that's in the works. I forgot the date on the first card, but it's going to be a, a international promotion. So it's overseas. I, I forgot the first country. They're mm-hmm. eventually going to come to Miami as well, but I think they're going to be like the next days, like Dominican Republic. Uh, uh, or Colombia. Uh, we already have a line of dates in mind, but it's going to be an international promotion. Fighters fully play, paid in crypto. I think, honestly, this is just my personal opinion. Crypto is the future. So I'm all for it. Obviously, right now, there's not enough. I can't pay my rent in crypto right now. You know, yeah, so there's yeah. certain things I, I there's certain things you can and can't do with crypto. I do think it's the future and forward thinking. So you know, I'm all for it. I just, I personally wouldn't be able to, to completely go crypto right now. And that's just because in our society, we're just not there yet, but who knows where we're going to be at in the next five, 10 years uh, and where things will go. But I do think it'll be more integrated with our society as the years go on for sure. So this is already officially like, this is an official promotion. You just like finding venues really at this point. They already have the first venue promoted. Um, you could go, I think his, he, the first person to release the official news was uh, bjpen.com. Mm. Um, so I think, I think there's a couple articles going on right now. Some of the details that come out, you could also visit, uh, you know, Marshall fight league. 
um, uh, MFC Worldwide, I think is the handle on Twitter uh, for more of the official news uh, from, from them. But yeah, Dave LaDuke, he's like a Lithway world champion. Mm-hmm. Um, he was on like the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, awesome guy, great fighter. And he's taking head as a president of this organization. And uh, he means business, man. I've, you know, I've, I, wor- I work with him in other departments of, of Marshall Anu. And uh, yeah, he means business. So I, I'm really excited to see how their first event goes. Um, I believe the first event's going to be completely free for viewers to watch as well. And then they're also going to be integrating some things with our, uh, like we have NFT holders, things like that. So we're kind of integrating the Web3 space uh, with fighting right now, which is super exciting and, and yeah. very forward thinking. So I'm pumped for it to, to see it. Yeah, that's awesome. Hopefully it gets you on that Miami car. It's only a few hours away, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm looking to secure a UFC contract. I'm taking a different route, but uh, one of the guys, Col- Cole Farrell, he's also on the Marshall Inu team. He's a, he's a featherweight. He's 10 and one, um, but he's going to be one of the fighters on that card as well. So I'm super pumped to see him fight. Um, yeah, I mean, it was more so the UFC was more of a goal that I've had in mind in my head since I was like 10. So yeah. I'm not trying to deviate, even if like I love like one FC, amazing promotion, Bellator is good promotion, PFL. I like what they're doing. But the UFC is something that I've just had in my head since the very beginning, and I'm just sticking with it. So awesome. Uh, Jeff, you got a question? Yeah. Speaking of still being a, like that UFC fan, what's your thoughts on the fights this weekend? Like Leach versus Ferguson and Diaz versus Hamza. Uh, I feel, I, I just, I'm going to feel so bad for Nate and Tony. I, I just don't, I don't like to see these matchups to be honest with you. Um, I think comes is just gonna, I think he's going to finish them. Same thing, Tony. I think he should be done fighting to be honest with you. Uh, who am I to say, you know, they're their own man. Um, they have the right to, to fully agree and take these fights and, and put their bodies at risk. But as a fan of, of watching those guys over the years, I just hate seeing it. When I saw Tony Ferguson get knocked out by Michael Chandler, I was just like, oh, no. Yeah. You know, like it, it was just so hard to watch seeing some of the fighters that you look up to over time. And then, you know, there, there's only you only have like this amount of time to be a fighter. And that's about it. Your body, you know, you can't you can't handle it after a certain point in time. Um, trust me, there's been fighters like Randy Couture and. Tito Ortiz there's been fighters that have done it at past a certain age but you know it to to do it as best as you can and and leave the sport with like minimal brain injury and who knows what CTE and all that kind of stuff is going on afterwards when you stay in the sport for for that long of a time um you know I hate seeing it sometimes I think it's going to be some good exciting uh some other fights on that card I'm not familiar with the the entire card but I think comes on is just a beast that's coming up um, I think he's ready for a, a title fight after that one. I'm not saying that's the fight that should determine whether or not he's worthy of a title, but I think he's kind of proven that with his last, uh, you know, three, four fights. So, Yeah, Jeff would agree. He's a huge Hamzat fan. I agree with both you guys. I think he's a fighter too off. What do you think about these big name um, fights like Jake Paul and Anderson Silva? What are your thoughts on those celebrity mashups? I hated it with all of my being initially. Like when Jake Paul was first coming up and, and he's fighting all these guys, I'm like, what? Like, why is this dude making hundreds and thousands and probably millions of dollars doing something that I've put my, you know, blood, sweat and tears into for 15 years? Like, mm-hmm. 
you know, but on the other side of it, that's not how economically it works. It's at the end of the day, it's entertainment. Uh, and I, that's what I've kind of come to realize in the past year is that it's not like a fair equal system where the best fighter gets taken care of the best, you know, mm-hmm. Conor McGregor is amazing. I think he's an amazing fighter. He's not the, he's not the greatest of all time. In my opinion, um, he's been one of the greatest to ever promote the sport of mixed martial arts of all time, hands down. So he deserves to get that pay. He's promoted it. Well, he's an entertaining guy. People love to tune in and watch him fight. He puts butts in seats and that's why he gets the big bucks, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I've come to terms with over the years is that, okay, you're an entertainer. You, you got to get eyes on you. And, and that's what it is. Um, as far as how the actual matchup goes, Anderson, obviously he's out of his prime, but I mean, he was, he's looking good. I mean, I, Jake, one thing he's had the resources to like dedicate himself fully to pre- preparing for these fights. Like, you know, come at me three, four years ago when he was just kind of getting into it. Yeah, he, he wasn't anything. But that man's been putting in some work for the past three or four years. And he's had all the resources to do so at the highest level. you got to think someone like me, where I, I come from a small gym, you know, I'm not uh, Scrooge McDuck money yet. You know, I'm not rolling in the big bucks, but I have limited resources. You know, I was, I was out of training for three and a half years because I had a back injury. You know, mm-hmm. Jake Paul, he gets a back injury, get it scanned, checked out like that, and probably get the surgery and appropriate medical attention he needs for right away. You know what I'm saying? There's just certain barriers mm-hmm. that finances, um, you know, kind of hop over. And that's something he's been able to kind of fast track himself with and progress at such a fast level over the past couple of years because he's financially set and he's able to, okay, I'm going to train twice a day. I'm going to get proper recovery. I'm going to have the best coaches. I'm going to have the best everything to make sure I do this right. And I think he's approaching it the right way. So he could have a potential, you know, overhand, right? Boom, knock Anderson out. Anderson just has so much experience, though. So we'll see. It's it's really just a matter of can the young, athletic, powerful Jake Paul beat, you know, Anderson Silva, which – one of the greatest of all time for sure, but he's what almost pushing 50 now. So mm-hmm. yeah. we'll see how it goes uh, with fighting. It's never a hundred percent. Anything could happen. Anyone could throw a punch, close their eye, swing boop, and something <laughs> happens. You know, that's just what it is. There's never 100% in fighting. Right. Well, uh, Jeff, I'll let you ask the last question. Then we'll let you get out of here. Yeah. Uh, what is one thing you want the MMA community to remember you for or as, when it's all said and done? I would say I would want the MMA community and I want people to know me as just someone that kept pushing through no matter the circumstance and and just kept shooting for his goal. Um, I think that's a super important lesson that I've just learned through martial arts my entire life was kind of just staying consistent. Uh, You know, you're going to have to let things pass by, just stay focused, stay on track and, and, and keep shooting towards your goals. And that's something that I kind of recommend, um, you know, everybody as far as like, you know, I think everyone should try martial arts at least for a day, you know, go, go spar, go, go train jujitsu somewhere, get into a little bit. Cause you'll learn a lot about yourself and you'll learn a lot of life lessons that are, that, that are needed. And when I was taken out of training for a while, 
Uh, if I didn't have martial arts to kind of prepare me mentally, um, yeah, I, I don't know how I would have gotten through some darker times in my life. So um, just, yeah, push through no matter what. Keep keep moving towards your goals. If you got an obstacle, you got to fight through it. And, you know, the biggest obstacle you got to face is another human being trying to put you down. So it's like more of a physical representation of, of what I stand for as a whole. That's awesome, awesome. man. It's, we're all behind you. We're wishing you good luck on the 13th. There's two Bantamweight bouts that night, but this is definitely going to be the one to watch. Brandon Lewis, thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving us a little bit of your time tonight. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for having me on.